Oh, last week I listened to the first episode of the first time we ever played D and D together. Oh, nice. <laughs> Was how, was that? how was that? Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't the greatest, but Caitlin and I had no idea what we were doing. So every two seconds, we had to be like, "Wait, how do I do what?" <laughs> right. You all got the hang of it pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> but then oh. we had characters. Our characters definitely evolved a lot over the years. <laughs> yeah, they did. I mean, everyone's first character is basically a thinly veiled version of themselves. So, <laughs> I <laughs> hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, admit it, Amanda, you just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> twist, twist my arm for half a second. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, last time uh, you all managed to make your way to the hag that um, Brindley's parents made a pact with uh, to save her life. Uh, and while you were debating who should go in and talk to her to get Brindley restored to herself, uh, Brindley herself went in uh, and talked to her and uh, in, in private, both from uh, your characters and your players. Um, after Brindley came out, uh, Nithis decided to go in, uh, but very quickly got sort of a uh, uh, battle of uh, battle of um, magical things. Uh, I don't know that it was a battle. It was more like, bitch, stop. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ancient voice in your head kind of acted like Guinan did when she saw Q in that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> so... Um, uh, anyway, uh, so you all left without making any sort of packs or deals or anything like that um, and had to trek back through the unnatural snow to get away. Um, <laughs> it, it was a very unpleasant trek back to the river. You made it back to the river uh, and booked passage on a boat because uh, you needed to get uh, across two rivers to get down into uh, vodka. Um, uh, the uh, people on the boat, uh, you paid them some money and they took you uh, upriver. Uh, you Brindley adopted the, the disguise of Nithis's sister uh, to pass for human on the boat, much to Nithis's uh, chagrin, confoundance. <laughs> uh, you all talked to Brindley's mom uh, to let her know that Brindley was robbed not dead but robbed um and brindley's mom uh then said that gwen was a thief because gwen just talked to her recently with the mirror uh you all investigated more into that uh, and found out that whoever it was uh uh talking to brindley's mom in the mirror knew all of gwen's names uh and just said that they picked it up by accident you had some strong suspicions about who it possibly could have been. Uh, then, uh, yeah, you guys uh, got off the boat. Um, so uh, vodka is uh, vodka is off actually one of the rivers that connects to the Great River. Um, but since the boat wasn't going up that river, it let you off at kind of a secondary dock that uh, leads to vodka. So you're kind of going up this 
well used, but sort of auxiliary road uh, to vodka. Uh, as you made your way up there, you were waylaid by some highwaymen who are posing as Carthalian guards, uh, but they clearly misjudged the situation as vodka in the area you're in is not technically under Carthalian jurisdiction. So you saw through the ruse, attacked them, and found out that they were some weird-ass shapeshifters uh, with all sorts of weird, disgusting, slimy, poisonous ooze uh, and who had enlisted the aid of a int friend. Uh, you all were able to dispatch uh, the highwaymen uh, and as they int and one of them was running away, Brindley, uh, instead of letting them go, uh, sucked the life out of them and killed them. So, <laughs> or withered the life out of them and killed them. That sounds really judgmental for us. I don't appreciate <laughs> that how. What word in there was loaded? <laughs> <laughs> I just described the scene. If you're feeling a little guilty about it, that's uh, <laughs> not, that's not a me problem. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, uh, you all are making your way towards Vodka. Um, so it is the 28th of Sylvian. Oh, no, wait. Um, did you all... I know that you were going to arrive on Runeboggle Day. Is it Runeboggle Day now? No, it was the 28th of Sylvian. Was and, the you, last, and you was had the camp, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, yes, right. And you said we'd get there in the evening. On okay. room bottle yeah, room bottle day, yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I would like some recognition that Sean retained a fact from week to week. So I'm actually really proud of you. I was kind of surprised. That's <laughs> that's the one time it's gonna happen, so soak it in. Hmm. All right. So uh it is, uh, you all travel the rest of the day, make camp without incident. Uh, it is now the first of calamity. Um, it is the morning you all are traveling in your carriage through these foothills, uh, making your way towards vodka. Uh, I assume um, Nithis is driving and 88 is, uh, who, who's the only person here who's been to vodka is probably on top. Uh, on top, uh, though you're on a, a pretty well-worn road, so it's not a you don't have to roll a check or anything like that, okay. unless you try to go off-road for a shortcut or something like that. I don't think we're gonna do that. You sure? Uh, uh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, are you going to put something in my path requiring a shortcut? Because no. then I'll make a different choice. <laughs> no, I'm just being being a jerk. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's uh, Moon's Day, by the way. Fantasy Monday. All right. So, um, what uh, what do y'all? How do you all pass the time uh, as the day goes on? Um, I'd probably ask eighty-eight to keep reading the the book. Okay. Chapter 57, The Flaming Carriage. <laughs> I just like the memories. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I rolled the window down so I can hear 88 from the front. <laughs> I'd be reading my, my book about dragons. I'm, I'm reading the carriage and know that probably songs are not 
<laughs> appropriate or welcomed. <laughs> what when Brindley directly told you that she's <laughs> very clear. I'm picking up some some subtle hints here that Brindley might not be a fan of this music. Gwen, I hate this music. <laughs> hmm, but what could she mean by that statement? <laughs> Um, all right, so you all make your way uh, along the road. Um, as it as the day gets late, uh, you eventually find that the road is meeting back up with um, a tributary of the Great River, this river that's running down from the mountains. Uh, you actually, uh, and as you get closer to it, you actually see there's um, uh, some barges that are going up and down this river. Uh, you don't see any of the sail ships um, because uh, the river, as you look at it, is not deep enough to really support like uh, a big, you know, I don't know what you call that shape, boat shaped boat. Uh, <laughs> so most of the uh, most of the traffic that um, uh, comes in here uh, is either is, is kind of the big flat barge style of transport, uh, and you see uh, most of them have some sort of um, you know oxen or horses that are pulling them up the river. Uh, you also see some that are just being steered downstream without uh, animals pulling it, uh, but just with people kind of working a rudder and with sticks and stuff like that. Uh, and as you, uh, and as you get as you get to this point, um, idiot, you recognize that you are probably just about an hour outside of Vatka, uh, whose big stone docks are further up the river from here. You're about an hour outside of Vatka. Cool. I mean, that's nice. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, yeah, so as you pass the hour, um, you uh, you see a couple of uh, carts laden with goods um, pass by you, heading up the same road that you're on. Uh, heading towards the Great River, where they'll presumably be loaded on some sort of bigger ship that can't fit down this river. Um, and as the hour expires, you see um, this massive uh, structure built out into the river of these stone docks. All of them are standard size that fits these barges almost perfectly. Uh, so there's barely a gap between the barge and the uh, and the docks. So it almost just looks like a solid. Uh, flat kind of just shipping shipping road that's built out into the river um, uh, with the water kind of rushing around it. Uh, does it go all the does the dock go all the way like over the river? No, it it's just stays on this side actually. So okay. yeah, there's no no bridge over these waters. <laughs> um Um, yeah, and uh, you uh, kind of roll in in your carriage. Um, people don't see you to pay you any mind. Uh, and as you, um, uh, an idiot, you probably alert them to this as you kind of crest past the, uh, get past into the docks. Uh, you see this sort of um, mountain valley, this sort of mountainous valley where all this traffic is going in uh, and standing um uh, side by side over this entrance, you see two very tall dwarven statues, both of which are holding these large silver hammers in their hand. 
Um, 88, you know that the hammers can actually be moved to block off access uh, to the city, uh, barricading it off if the city should fall under attack. That's cool. I point uh, all this out. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, uh, these, these huge statues are um, weather-worn uh, to the point where you can barely make out the features on the faces any longer. They've stood here for thousands of years. How big is Vodka compared to other cities you've been in? Vodka, um, population-wise, it's probably, it's definitely smaller than Carthel. <laughs> um, it's probably about New Haven-sized, um, maybe closer, it, kind of between that and um, uh, Virtus Car. As far as as far as size goes, um, there's definitely a, a lot of people though up here where you can see. Um, uh, and um, uh, there's just sort of um, as you kind of get in line to get into the city, you just see um, uh, people milling about, chattering back and forth, the latest news and gossip as they wait to be admitted into the city. Do we overhear anything interesting? Um, roll me a perception check. Yes, I will also. 27. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, mine's uh, not going to be that good. No way. Mine is 11. <laughs> 19 isn't bad. I'm engrossed in my book. <laughs> um, 88. Um, most of the, uh, most of the chatter you hear about uh, is especially since these are merchants and sailors that are used to working the river. Uh, 90, I'd say 95% of the chatter is about the uh, krelson Benfelden uh, siege. Uh, uh, and, you know, people talking about like, what are they going to do now that they're not able to get any further on the river than Carthel, really? Uh, okay. Talk up, uh, people are talking about, you know, you know, caravans maybe going to you know somewhere else to get access to the ocean um other people are wondering if windhaven is gonna you know come to vodka after they take Carth carthalia um uh um but you you do hear um uh one thing that catches your ear um you hear uh, a couple of people in front of you talking about uh a warforged who um, was kicked out of the city uh, a few weeks ago. Oh my. Uh, and uh, as, you, as you strain to listen, uh, the only thing you're really able to make out is um, one of them saying, oh, it was the right thing to do, inciting a riot he was. Uh, and then- the Idiot has a very bad feeling about this. <laughs> And then the other ones, you, 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 it's hard. It's very, very hard to make out, especially above the suburb. But with a 27, you were able to get that much out of it. Okay. <laughs> um, so you all wait in line um, uh, as, the, as the sun goes down. Um, and yet you'd also know that uh, with it being a holiday, um, there's a bit more traffic kind of in and out of here than normal. Uh, just uh, people you know people staying here longer than they would otherwise to enjoy enjoy rune boggle day um and after about another eh, 
45 minutes or so, uh, you make your way uh, to the front of the line uh, where you have, uh, you see a, a Goliath and a dwarf uh, wearing um, armor uh, and a cape that's colored with a vodka uh, sigil. And they kind of uh, raise a hand up at you and uh, look to you, Nithis in 88, and say, uh, Welcome to Vodka. Uh, what's your uh, what's your business here today? Uh, we're just visiting. Pleasure. Ah, uh, here for the holiday, are you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he looks at the carriage. He looks at the two of you. Um, he says, uh, "You're not doing any business here." Uh, we might purchase some things <laughs> while we're here, but no specific business no he, he says no, no no bulk goods is what i mean you brought anything up off the river have you no All i knock right. on the thing and hey guys say hello hello the passengers not object. all right well you're, you're welcome to go in enjoy the holiday uh and he kind of looks at you, 88, for a second and says, don't cause any trouble. Racist. That's a strange thing to say. I do not intend to. No, it's... <laughs> um, there's a lot of Warforged in, uh, a fair number of Warforged in the city that you're aware of, 88, so it's odd that you feel it is odd that he would have said that to you. It is not the normal vodka experience that you're accustomed to. Right, but I've also heard that there was an incident recently, so. Yeah. Um, all right, and so uh, you all are waved in uh, and head into the Ironclad Terrace, the uppermost tier of the city. Uh, <laughs> as you as you uh, go <laughs> in, uh, the lights of day, day fade. Uh, and are replaced with uh, these magical sconces that are lining the walls, uh, providing uh, continuous amounts of light. Uh, uh, Eighty-eight, you know that um, each of the uh, each of the levels, um, the lights are adjusted differently, so each one has a sort of a, its own uh, color. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, the lights here. Uh, they, they start off more towards kind of the bright white yellow daylight spectrum and get kind of a deeper shade of color as you go deeper into the mountain. So it's kind of a, all the sconces here are kind of a bright whitish yellow, um, very close to daylight. Uh, so uh, where, where do you want to go in vodka? 88, where should we go? Yeah. If you would like to arrange for lodging for this evening, we should head to the Gold Terrace. That is where most visitors to the city reside. Right. All right. I'll, I'll start heading up that way. So, uh, yeah, you, um, 88 leads you, uh, there's the road you're on kind of, uh, eventually runs out and there's a kind of a long, uh, cur- gently curving ramp that leads down to the next level. Um, there's also, um, 88, you know, various stairs and, other ways to get from one level to another, but uh, for these roads with the traffic, they have, they're all kind of this sort of gentle, uh, un, unnaturally carved 
uh, kind of roads that go down. Mm-hmm. How quick is the traffic going through town? Uh, it's at an amble. It's oh, okay. It's so if I want to stretch my legs, I can get out and walk. Kind yeah, of yeah. Um, the streets are the streets are fuller than they normally would be because of the holiday. Uh, so as you uh, make your way down, you pass. Um, you see. Uh, what's clearly like a large constabulary uh, with some barracks attached to it. Uh, you see um, smithies um, and uh, various uh, important looking city offices. Uh, uh, before you make your way down uh, and then as you get down, you hear the, the terrace before you see it. Just as the sounds of laughter and merriment and celebration uh, as the lights darken from a whitish yellow to a uh, darker uh kind of yellowy orange gold color uh and you find yourself on the gold terrace uh uh, as you come in you the first thing you see uh as you get down this ramp uh are some brightly lit casinos um uh including one uh the idiot you're familiar with uh, called the lucky lingo casino uh, Mm -hmm. which is the most famous casino on the gold terrace uh, you also see taverns and uh, uh, some inns, uh, along with uh, temples and shrines, uh, along with some other more buildings stretched off. These are uh, the caverns themselves are very impressive. These these terraces, um, uh, you get the idea that um, they're more carved than natural, uh, with tall ceilings. Um, and uh, yeah, you, it's it almost just feels like being outside at night. You know, so there's no claustrophobic feeling or anything like that. So nice. So where would you like to where would you like to go? Um 88, do you have a in that you'd suggest or just pick one? Uh uh. uh hmm. How much would you like to spend on accommodations? Mm, not much. Yeah, I don't have a whole bunch. No more than a gold or two a night. Is that reasonable? That would yeah. afford very fine accommodations. Oh, okay. Well, then like a, sil- a couple silver a night. I, I don't want to spend a lot of money. <laughs> All right. We will find a, a sort of mid-tier nice tavern. Mm-hmm. All right, so you find a place where I'm not going to get shanked while I have a drink, but also I don't need gold filigree. All right, so you find your way to a very, uh, very nice, sturdy building made of um, kind of this uh, kind of this pale amaranth stone, um, uh, and there's a uh, a sign up front uh, of just this. It doesn't have a name written on it. It's just a silver mm-hmm. goblet. Uh, and 88, you know, this is the, the silver goblet, uh, which is a nice, but not too nice, uh, establishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Um, well, the horses taken care of. They have beds not made of stone in this establishment. I like it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, a, uh, a stable, a stable boy comes out and, uh, offers to take your horses, feed them, and, and uh, uh, you know, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Brush them down. Yes. The thing you do with horses to make sure that they, you know, live good, happy horse lives. <laughs> uh, uh, and he offers this service for a silver piece a day. Okay. I'll give him a silver piece. You toss it to him. He, he looks at it, bites it, and, makes, and then puts it in his pocket. He says, I'll take good care of the horses. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what a pretty dog you have, sir. I was, uh, I, I kind of leaned down to Winchester and say, okay, keep an eye on the horses and yell if you need anything. And keep existing. <laughs> keep out of trouble. All right, so the, uh, um, the uh, stable hand just says, um, just let the barkeep know if you want me to bring them back out with your carriage attached. Otherwise, they'll just be over here. And he points to uh, some stables behind the, behind the tavern. So he leads the horses off and you, know, you see a couple other boys come out and help him un unhitch it and stuff like that while you make your way into the tavern. Uh, as you come inside the tavern, uh, you smell um, uh, roasting meats uh, and you see uh, there's somebody perf uh, performing, an another kobold actually, uh, you notice Gwyn. Are they, uh, are, they, uh, are they wearing a holy symbol or are they just Singing. Uh, uh, no, they actually have a Chalik holy symbol on, um, but they're not singing. They're actually performing stage magic. Oh, all right. Ooh. They got competition. Like, uh, you know, close-up magic, like card tricks and uh, and things like that. Because um, uh, it's Runeboggle Day, so it would be the appropriate entertainer to book for a day like today. Uh, and so he is working the audience, uh, getting some oohs and ahs, even though this is the world where literal magic exists. So these sort of... <laughs> These sort of um, you know misdirection tricks are maybe not as impressive as they are in real life, but they're still he's still you know has a good stage presence. Um, still all about the patter. <laughs> it is. Um, I watch this person as they go in. Oh, are you look? Do you look at like yourself, Brindley, or okay? I just didn't want to look like myself ready to buy where yeah that makes yeah um, um i will go up and to the bar and um ask about rooms uh you uh you, yeah get up to the bar you see uh uh kind of a young looking uh dwarven woman there she's got a uh, her hair uh done up in a mohawk nice. uh, and she's wiping a mug and she says welcome welcome silver goblet uh she says, um, looking for rooms? Yeah. Do you have any? Uh, she says, uh, we only have two private rooms left in the establishment. Will that be an issue for you, for you lot? Um, probably not. Do you have a common room? Uh, she says, that's full, unfortunately. Balls. OK. Yeah, that'll be fine. Um, two rooms, two beds. Uh, she says, we can wheel in another cot uh, okay. if you need it. I'm assuming you only need three beds. She, Gives yeah. a courteous nod towards Adian. In a very comfy chair. She says, uh, "Every room has a has a plushed overstuffed chair." So, um, could we also get dinner? And I would like a um, bottle of whiskey. All right. She says, "Well, uh, dinner is included with the with the with the lodgings." She says, "It's five silver pieces per room per night." So. A gold piece uh, just for the night. Um, 
And she says, uh, and as far as whiskey, she says, what kind of whiskey are you looking for? She says, we've got, uh, you know, we've got Carthalian, Paraclasian. Uh, she says, we even have uh, a couple bottles of Windhavian. Uh, she says, oh, how much is that? Uh, she says, well, that's a rare import, she says. So uh, it's a gold piece for the bottle, she says, or a silver piece per drink. I'll take the bottle. She says, all right. Uh, woman who knows her whiskey. <laughs> we'll have one, too. No, we can share the bottle. You don't have to buy another bottle. I will have a glass, too. We need glasses. <laughs> she says, three, three glasses? Yeah. I could finish this bottle on my own, but I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just assumed. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, she looks, looks at you, She says, mug for the Warforged? No, thank you, though. She knows. She knows that some Warforged like to fit in by... I have my own. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she nods, uh, takes your money, and uh, gives you two keys uh, to two private rooms that are upstairs. Cool. Um, the uh, stage magician is saying, now... I will put a rabbit into a hat. And he's pushing a rabbit into a hat. It's uh, like shoving its little cottontail butt, right? Yeah. Okay. How does the rabbit feel about this? You'd have to ask the rabbit. Um, uh, he, he's like, he's, he's having hilarious struggles with it, which seems to be part of the act. Uh, people are laughing and kind of chuckling and encouraging him on. It's hilarious. Time like this, you got to be a pen and teller, not a David Copperfield. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, uh, you, you'll all find an empty table. Uh, there's only one or two of them left in the establishment. Uh, as you sit down, um, the uh, barkeep comes over with a uh, nice corked bottle of uh, Windhavian whiskey, uh, uh, three glasses, uh, and three plates of uh, food. Um, uh, it looks like uh, some sort of roasted mutton. Uh, there's a nice, some, a nice uh, cheese selection with each of them uh, and some veggies. Cool. Delightful. Ah, uh, snack. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Food. Uh, much, much, much. While they're eating, I'll be uh, pointing out certain uh, certain uh god uh attractions or things to do in the city that they might want to uh investigate the upper market is usually closed this time of evening though i imagine there will be a number of stalls open for the celebration uh there is the old playhouse we are fortunate unfortunately have missed the week's end so we will not be able to see the variety show but there may be other performances being put on this week and you have noticed no doubt the numerous casinos if you would yes. wish to partake in games of chance. Cool. The market sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds like I there's watched, a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Watch the performance intently. Mm -hmm. uh, roll me a perception check. Mm -hmm. A seven. You have no idea how he's doing these tricks. <laughs> <laughs> but he's but he's very entertaining with it, so. Yep. All right. Oh, great. Uh, you guys want to play some cards past the evening? Did we not want to go up to the marketplace? Oh, I thought you said it was all closed. 
Normally it would be, though there are probably some stalls open with holiday paraphernalia. Yeah, my bad. Let's go for it. All right. Alrighty. All right, so um, you finish your meal. What do you do with your whiskey? Uh, go lock it in my room. Okay. You I also, do. you have a bag of holding too, you know. So. Oh yeah, put it in my bag of holding. That's a good idea. It's not gonna get lost in my bag of holding. All right, uh, but do, do you have some with your dinner? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, it's, it's very good. Uh, it tastes like, it tastes like home. Noise. Fiery home. Fiery home. <laughs> do you do you share it with your companions? Yeah. Yeah. I have some. I'll have some. A thimbleful. It's a holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's Brindley's reaction to it? It's fine. It doesn't taste like home because it's not my home. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure because I know that Brindley doesn't like spicy things now. It's, it's you know, so I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if the burning was uh, agreeable to her or not. Um, it feels like drinking alcohol, but she knows what drinking alcohol is supposed to feel like. So that's okay. supposed to be completely enjoyable. <laughs> did, did Matt have a thought? Matt had a thought. <laughs> we need to take Brindley home and see if the God Ale tastes differently to her now. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Well, we'll put a pin in that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, you head to the market. Mm -hmm. All right. So the market is on this uh, same terrace. so uh, it's not too far from where you're at. Uh, and if you get close, yeah, you see that the market, which um, would normally be empty at this hour, uh, is actually a buzz of activity. Um, and you see a large banner has been erected in the center of it uh, with uh, a sign that says um, uh, annual flare fair. Uh, uh, and you see a bunch of gnomes uh, kind of on the stage, on the uh, stage that's been built there. Uh, and they've all got various contraptions and gizmos that they're trying to outdo each other with. Uh, you see a small crowd of people there watching. Cool. What kind of contraptions are there? Uh, just all sorts of like clock, you know, nothing like magical items, but they're all like various clockwork items or um, really? items that, uh, items that um, you know, they're not, none of them have any sort of like practical function but they're all just they all just do interesting things uh uh let's see which one you encounter first so you, uh okay so as you uh come up uh you see the per- one person has this miniature beetle uh he says i've built this based off of uh rumor and legend <laughs> but <laughs> miniaturized it to a small size much safer size. Yeah. Uh, so it would be even harder to find. Uh, the crowd says, let's say it. Uh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, so he, he winds it up uh, and the beetle starts to walk uh, along on the ground uh, and then it just falls apart. <laughs> and the crowd, the crowd just goes, boo. <laughs> but like in a playful, like, you know, there's some <laughs> laughter and some, some whooping. Uh, 
And he just kind of sheepishly picks up the pieces and says, next year! <laughs> and then moves off from the stage. Um, and then comes out another one. He's like, uh, who's invented a device that if you put um, uh, raw ingredients in one end, uh, in, in a few minutes, bread will come out the other that's been cooked. Uh, and he's mm. trying to but it's it is this uh, very large. It's taller than he is. It's very Rube Goldbergian in design. Uh, and he's just kind of walking the crowd through how to do it. And there's some a lot, of, a lot of pistons and like steam shooting out of it. And- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you actually see people. Uh, you'll notice that there's people like placing bets on if it's going to work or not, and things like that. Just like that's just sort of a playful energy in the crowd. Uh, I want to see if there is going to be bread, so I will wait and watch. <laughs> I'm going to see if there's an explosion. <laughs> um, and yeah, all around. So this is the crowd kind of in the center. Then all around on the edge, there's various stalls selling like foods and uh, little miniature like cogs and things like that for kids. Just kind of like various, uh, you know, it's like a fair. Um, uh, all right, let's see if the automated bread making machine uh, works. <laughs> uh, so he uh, turns this big crank on it. Uh, he's poured flour and water and yeast and some various other things into one side of it. He's turning it, uh, you know, steam's coming out. It's, you know, things are moving up and down. Uh, and uh, after five minutes, a perfectly cooked loaf of bread pops out on the other side of it. Ooh. And he looks at it and he kind of looks at the crowd and they all start cheering. I <laughs> uh, Somebody's like, I want to try the bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, but why? It's good. It's look at it. It's perfectly baked. Oh, <laughs> oh I want to try it. Does he let him try it? So he takes the bread and rips off a hunk at it and tosses it into the audience. Uh, and whoever is yelling at it kind of grabs the bread and takes a bite out of it and says, it's okay. And the crowd, <laughs> the crowd kind of cheers at that. <clears throat> Somebody else asks if it can do pumpernickel. Uh, and he says, that technology is still years away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it moves on to more more contraptions. Uh, I'm not going to spend the next two hours just describing <laughs> contraptions to you all, though. So. Oh, please. Oh, <laughs> totally understand. Uh, so you you take in the show for a bit. Uh, what else do you do? I'll browse the stalls. I'm not looking for anything particular. I want to look for some uh, beef jerky and chew toys. Uh, yeah, both both are things you can easily find at a fair like this. Um, go ahead and drop like a couple silver pieces. Okay. Uh, eighty-eight. Roll a perception check. Twenty-two. Um, as you are. Uh, as you're standing there, kind of watching the show, um, you notice somebody nearby also taking the show uh, who does not appear to have noticed you. Um, Sorry, I missed. <laughs> <laughs> just need to shut that off during the interview if I can. Uh, um, 
you notice uh, autonomous construction unit N177, who you know now nowadays as Keen. Huh. I will walk over to him. Mm -hmm. Hello. He looks and turns. Oh, hi. Is that you, 88? It is. I was it is good to see you, Keen. It's good seeing to see you too. I was not expecting you back in uh, in vodka so soon. I was not expecting to be back. It has been quite an adventure. Did did you see the bread making machine? Mm -hmm. I did. It's quite the fascinating device. <laughs> it would be quite interesting to learn how it works. Um. Have you told Castor or Smelt that you're in town? No, I have only just arrived with my friends. And I will gesture over towards where, well, as everyone kind of scattered at this point. Yeah, they're kind of scattered at that point. Um, oh, I gesture to an empty space. My friends mm -hmm. are somewhere. Um, <laughs> uh, the quickest one you can pick out is you see Brindley because she stands mm -hmm. out pretty, pretty hardcore from the rest of them. <laughs> that is Brindley. Oh. Well, um, how are Smelt and Kester? Uh, they are doing well. Um, we've been working on some new new designs lately. It's been engaging work. It's been good for them. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I heard as I was coming in that there was an incident recently with a Warforged who was removed from the city. He shakes his head. He says, there was. He says, uh, he says, one of us from Carthel. Uh, is this to do with... Sorry, I don't know if you can hear that or not. Oh, yeah. It's, I, didn't, I wasn't sure whose mic it was coming from. But... <laughs> All right. Sorry. I was just refilling the, the cat food. Oh, no. No, bin. <laughs> um, no worries. Uh, I'm trying to remember things. Um, were they one of Xavier's? You're familiar with Xavier. Yes, I encountered others belonging to his group in Carthel. Um, he says, uh, yes. Um, or Xander, not, not Xavier. Xander, um, sorry. Yeah. Uh, he says, um, yes, it was one who you were sent here by X17, or Xander, as you know him, um, trying to encourage the Warforged here to leave and come to Carthel to aid in some sort of revolution. Needless to say, uh, those of us that live here were not interested. Most of us, anyway. That does not surprise me. Um, he says, uh, when we refused to go, he made the speech in the center of, in the, center of the square. Uh, he said some pretty... He has a more. Some pretty aggressive things about non-warforged life. Idiot, I do not care for the rhetoric, 
that these Warforged seem to have. You seem to place our people above them. That is troubling. Nods. Did any Warforged leave with him? When the when the constables heard what what this Warforged was saying, they well they kicked they kicked him out of of vodka um, for inciting a riot, as they called it. Nobody left with him at that time. However, since then, there are several Warforged that are unaccounted for. I fear that they may have followed more discreetly. I worry for what is to come of this. It does not bode well. Castor and Smelt are also quite worried about it. I hope I get a chance to catch up with them while I am here. Oh, they will no doubt insist upon it, especially Smelt. It will be good to see them. Where are your lodgings? Uh, my friends will be staying at the Silver Goblet. I will be spending the evening at the temple. Uh, well, perhaps we will see you there. Very good. And perhaps we can have your friends over to our, uh, to our home for a gathering. I will suggest this to them. No party, it's like a war party. Because <laughs> a war so, forge party has no food or drinks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enjoy the festival. You do the same. I will wander over to where Brinley is. Mm-hmm. What is Brinley doing? Still just watching stuff or? Yeah, observing. Hi, idiot. Hello, Brinley. Are you enjoying the inventions? Very interesting. I like seeing watching and seeing kind of how it all comes together. I like the weird ones. The weird ones are good. Mm-hmm. Also, when they don't work, I like that everyone laughs. But not me. Just entertains. Uh, the person on the stage right now is demonstrating a, a automated back scratcher, but it kind of like, instead of it just you holding it behind you, you hold it in front of you and then a telescoping rod comes up over and then behind. Uh, it's very convoluted. It doesn't seem to be very effective, but it is holding together, which the Noman <laughs> stage seems very proud about. I think I finally put together that uh, Inspector Gadget was a gnome. <laughs> See, that one's so happy. There's no point to it, but he's very happy. I found that is the way of hobbies. People do them for no other reason than to bring themselves happiness. Right. Hobbies, yes. Is there any hobby in which you have an interest? Not at the moment. 
Maybe I'll find something new. Maybe I'll decide to create back scratches that have no purpose. Besides mm -hmm. scratching your back, but it doesn't look very effective. Whatever you decide, I'm happy to help you. Thank you. Um, Gwen, what are you doing during all this? I think just idly shopping and enjoying the crowd. This is the first time we've been in like a, well, no, I guess since Hokkaido. So that's about a week only though. So I don't know. I assume there's like mummers and street performers and, and, you know, buskers and things. So might be following them around, <laughs> enjoying the shows and poking around and seeing what's uh, what's cool in the in the booths. Yeah, so there's um, there's not a lot of um, buskers necessarily around this part, just because it'd be hard to do because all the attention is on the uh, you know <laughs> there's something much more interesting happening like right right there. Um, uh, but yeah, you definitely there's there you know there's definitely the interesting things in the stall. Um, uh, a lot of people you know see you coming by and try hawking souvenirs at you and, and things like that. So mostly just look for I don't know stuff for Winchester. Maybe yeah, get, a bag yeah, a yeah, bag yeah. of apples for the horses. Mm, okay, uh, you don't find that apples are a little harder to come by down here. Okay. But Maybe, uh, you do uh, you do find like jerky and uh, some chew toys and things like that. A, a little a little dog collar that has little like cog decorations on it, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. I'll ask. <laughs> if, well, I would still be within like a mile of him, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Totally. So I would mentally ask him if he wants. <laughs> he says jerky. Yes, collar. No. <laughs> okay so i my jerky and no collar sorry i'm just remembering the, the adventures of narasana trying to put a collar on kyle <laughs> and how, how how poorly that went pretty poorly <laughs> oh kyle mm. so kyle wasn't the first one collared <laughs> all right uh Oh, the collar for Kachalik. That was such yeah. a great, such a great goof. <laughs> it found return to Narasthana. <laughs> um, all right, so you'll have you'll have a good time. Uh, uh, you you've kind of caught here at the tail end though, um, and after uh, not too long of a time, uh, the the rune boggle uh, kind of invention displays uh, kind of peter out and. Uh, and people, people head off. Uh, the uh, automated bread maker guy did get a, a shiny uh, recognition ribbon for his invention, though. So he's busy gloating in front of everybody about that, as he is has four gnomes helping him wheel this thing <laughs> back to his place. Nice. Cool. <laughs> um, I do want to keep an eye out. This is the first crowd we've been into since I 
found out that there are other Kalistar outside of my family. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be paying extra attention to anyone with white, light-colored hair. All right, I'll make a perception check. I mean, obviously nothing's going to happen now, but... <laughs> Five. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't see anybody with the characteristic uh, Kalistar uh, hair features or anything like that. But uh, doesn't doesn't stop you from looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five. Whew. All right. So after, after the entertainment's over and people start milling back about, uh, do you all just head back to the goblet or? Um, I'll look to 88. Yeah. Is there anything else we should see this evening? It is getting late. Time for a sleep. All right. I will be going to the uh, Incan Temple for the evening. I will see you in the morning. Have a good night. Good night. (laughs) So we make our way back to the Silver Goblet. All right, you make your way back to the Silver Goblet. um, And then, uh, yeah, uh, split your rooms up and head to bed. Uh, 88. You. Make your way down uh, familiar streets towards the uh, Incan Temple, um, the House of the Crafter, uh, which, if I recall correctly, is on which, which terrace is that on? It's on the, the, uh, the ironclad one, right? Yeah. Yep. So. First terrace. So you uh, you head back up a pedestrian pathway uh, up up the stairs towards the uh, back up towards the yellowish white light of the of the ironclad terrace. Uh, the lights have dimmed slightly for evening to give people a chance to to rest, but uh, they are always on here. Uh, as you make your way to the uh, House of the Crafter, um, you see uh, uh, the, yeah, the large structure, um, which contains the shrine and dormitory and all that. Uh, you see um, the colorful smoke coming out of the chimney, even at this hour. So somebody, somebody in there is at the forge. Okay. I will head in mm-hmm. and <clears throat> stop for a moment at the shrine mm-hmm. to pay my respects, give a quick prayer, mm-hmm. and head over to the Arcane Forge to see who is working there this late in the evening. Um, uh, I would say it's not a surprise, but... Um, you come in and you find uh, Forge Keeper Pulvanta Silverstream there. Um, uh, she, you know her um, as somebody who has a uh, uh, very strong work ethic um, and tends to work at nights, uh, more so to give um, other people a chance to use the forge during the day and also because, you know, less people to bother her at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... As you come in, you see her there. Uh, she's wearing um, her her uh, typical. She's got this um, kind of large uh, black uh, uh, smithy apron on that has the uh, holy symbol uh, on it. Uh, and you see her uh, 
with a um, a, uh, a a mold for a ring uh, that she is working uh, magic into with a hammer. As I step into the chamber, I will uh, not want to interrupt her concentration. So I'll simply approach quietly across from the forge from her. So she's aware of my presence, but I don't startle her or anything. Something that just occurred to me <laughs> has nothing to do with Pulvanta Silverstream. You all have a gentle reposed corpse in the top of your carriage. Oh, we do. I forgot oh, about no! that. Oh, <laughs> no! It is wrapped up. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, come back to that in the morning. We'll I think. <laughs> even if we didn't, even if we had forgotten, we'd find out in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> What's that smell? Oh, oh you for that corpse? <laughs> yep. Oh goodness. Um, that's anyway, uh, um, after a few minutes, uh, 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 Archdeacon Pulvanta, uh quenches the ring in uh, some liquid off to the side, uh, and then takes off uh, takes off her gloves and sets them down and turns and faces you and says, well, "I'll be eighty-eight. She says. Uh, uh, she says, "She says, I'm so good to see you." She says, uh, "Thanks for the paper bird." Uh, she says, "Did you not get my response?" I did not. She frowns. How did you send it? Well, by a paper bird. Should have should have homed in on you something. She says, "Unless you, I mean, it's possible that it, you know." Could have gotten snatched, could have gotten burned, could have hit something. Not the most reliable uh, method of uh, magic. But anyway, I'm, I'm just talking about paper birds. Get in here. She, uh, she, she kind of waves you over and then comes up and uh, uh, much to your chagrin, she gives you a, a big old hug. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, with it. she says, uh, so, she says, the adventuring life brought you back to vodka, huh? Surprisingly soon. Yes, yes. She says, barely gone a month, and you're already back. Three months, you mean? Uh, oh, that's right. You, you were on the road for a bit before you got to New Haven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Barely gone three months, and you're already back. There we go. She says, uh, she uh, kind of gestures you over to uh, uh, her workbench uh, and says, uh, so uh, you didn't really get too deep into your letter. What brings you What brings you by? Well, we were searching for information regarding my friend Brindley, who appears to have, her, her mother made a arrangement with a hag when she was very young. And this has led to a recent startling transformation on Brindley's part. So we were searching for information regarding the hag. However, we came came across the hag herself two days ago. You didn't make a deal, did you? We did not. Though it seems Brinley has learned something of 
what has become of her, though she has not shared this information with us yet. She says, eh, she says it's her story to tell. I'm sure she'll tell it to you when she's ready. Of course. She says, so she died and was brought back, huh? Mm-hmm. And encased in a cocoon of ice. I never read anything about a cocoon of ice when the old stories of people being brought back from the dead, but uh, she says... Well, if the, I think it was unique to her case. She says, uh, people are, people are be able to be resurrected again, though. That's earth-changing information. I don't suppose you know the old rights to do it. She shakes her head no. She says, uh, no, but uh, I'm sh sure there's something somewhere. I can pray to, pray to Inca for guidance or... She says, uh, I imagine, though, that dying and being brought back, probably pretty traumatic, even without a dramatic transformation, like it sounds like your friend Brindley's had. Indeed. She says, eh, just give her time. I'm sure she'll come around. We are doing what we can. She says, uh, You've been keeping up with your craft work? Yes. Recently I traveled to uh, recently I traveled to Hokkaido and learned of their uh, processes for cutting wood stamps. It was very mm. interesting. She says that's wonderful news. Wonderful news. She says uh, she says that is the best way to revere Inca create turn turn uh, unshaped things into into art the beauty so i have learned thank you for teaching me this she says uh, i could have i couldn't have asked for a better student she says uh, let me show you what i'm making right now she says it's commission piece but pretty Please. pretty proud of uh, of what it's what it's gonna do, uh, she uh, cracks open the mold and takes out this um, uh, beautifully intricate uh, intricate ring um, uh, that uh, is done up in a um, oh uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, lots of lots of kind of lacy swirls. I know there's a, a what's that yes. Filigreed, yes, uh, with a with a very nice um, filigreed uh, design on the top of it uh, that kind of uh, all these um, hundreds of different uh, filigreed strands kind of come come in uh, and form the bottom of the ring. It is very beautiful. She nods. Uh, she says, uh, and with the uh, and with the. Uh, with the design work, she says, uh, should be able to store uh, an entire spell's worth of magic. She says, um, she says, it's some of my finest work, I, I feel. It is a remarkable piece. She says, yeah, well, 
she she thinks you know she says well it still has got a few months left on on the building of it but it is very much a work in progress out of curiosity have you heard of a god of the far west called uh, Machias? She says, uh, it's been a long time since I've heard that name, but yeah, I'm, I've, she says, uh, not around here though. Hmm. She says, uh, she says, heard about it from a trader in Altaria once. He wasn't a practitioner himself, but had come across one of their worshippers, described them as a slime he couldn't get off his boot. That seems an apt metaphor. Why do you ask? I encountered one of his worshippers in Hokkaido, and I wanted to make sure that you were aware that if any such uh, emissaries of that religion were to arrive in Vatka, you should insist that they leave promptly. She says, oh, don't worry. Yeah, it's uh, buying your way into the afterlife. What nonsense. She says, uh, besides, there's no need for earthly goods in the next life. She says, um, anyone told you about uh, that Warforge that was here stirring up trouble a couple of weeks back? Yes, I spoke with Keen earlier this evening. And She's... I know a bit about this X-17. It is a worrying development. She nods. She says, uh, The uh, constable's been all on edge about it. That does not surprise me. Uh, you know, they, they, they kicked him out, but uh, some of y'all Warforged went missing. They're worried that there might be more sympathizers. Of course, sane smooth heads. You know, the people that actually think about it for more than a minute realize that you no, nobody here poses a threat like that. It's just worry for worry's sake, if you ask me. Even if they were sympathetic to X-17's plan, I do not see how they would have any cause, they would be any cause of concern in Vatka. From she my nods. understanding, they have plans in Carthel. Ex exactly. That's And that's what... That's what I've been trying to tell people. You don't want to listen, she says, but I think I think you'll find 88 that uh, with what's going on in Krailson and Binfelden, the people here are just a little more on edge looking for anything to latch on to, worry-wise. Uh, she says, not being able to get down river has really put a well, it's really made times tough for a lot of the traders and merchants that live here and trade out of here. She says, uh, Vodka sent a delegation to Carthel. I don't know if you read about that. I was not aware. 
She says, seems foolish to me, but they're trying to get, Car they're trying to plea with Carthel to negotiate with Windhaven. I do not believe Windhaven is interested in negotiations that do not include a surrender. Oh, that's what I thought, but I think that people are just desperate for to try anything, do anything that'll that'll work. She says, "Ah, but enough about enough about things you've no doubt already heard about. What about you?" She says, "Whatever your adventures taken you." It has been quite a journey, and I will go into the full tale of it. She nods. She says, wow, sounds like you've been all over the world. You had to witness a trial in Windhaven. You had to go to Hokkaido. Though now that I mention it, I do remember that we have a reposed corpse on top of our carriage. <laughs> <laughs> Smash cut to the stable boy poking it with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Should I tell the guards about this? I don't know. I'm just going to keep poking it. <laughs> uh, she says, uh, yeah, you'll probably want to take that to the guards sooner than later. Uh, she says, uh, <laughs> she says, I'm sure they'll be interested in hearing about that. Uh, she says, um, what did you, by the way, what'd you tell her about the vampire issue? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you probably give her an accounting of how they discovered the vampires were there, um, that there is now this understanding or arrangement or hostage negotiate situation, however you want to look at it, um, uh, that Lucia has, has given us. Um, but he will, he will refrain from He will refrain from framing it in such a way that it makes the vampires necessarily seem like the bad guys in the mm -hmm. situation. More, he'll just frame it as this is the situation we find ourselves in, and he is at a loss for how to come up with an amicable solution. Mm -hmm. Okay. She says, um, she says, uh, that is quite the uh, moral quandary that you are faced in. She says, any action will no doubt lead to violence of some sort or the other. She says, what do your companions think about it? They do not seem... They do not find the vampire's cause favorable, which does not surprise me. But uh, I believe they are less open to the idea of compromise than I am. She nods and thinks about it for a bit. She says, uh, well, all you can do is figure out how you feel about it and then communicate that to them and see how they feel about it. I mean, it's, I don't think there's an easy answer in that one. <laughs> She says, normally, normally I would uh, 
you know, something, you know, normally the mindless undead you want to get rid of, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like, I mean, I mean, that Lucy has been here for what, uh, thousands of years, if that, or if not more. Quite a long time, it sounds like. And she, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's tough. Idiot, I gotta ask you a question. What? Yes. You know, you set out to adventure to make your own way. Uh, what are you doing? Why? Are you, what? You, what, are, what? What's your goal? What are you? Go, where are you going? I do not know. She says, uh, "I've been listening to this story that you've been telling, and." I, I see a lot of you kind of going where the wind takes you, where these people take you, but what do you want? I want to find a place where I feel I belong. Her face kind of frowns and slips a bit at that. And she says, well, you know, you're always welcome here. I know. Smeltcaster and Keen, they all talk about you all the time. They miss you. And I miss them as well. And I am happy that they have found a purpose and a place for themselves here. I'm still trying to discover what it is that I want. She says, uh, is, is living at this uh, spooky manor with these people it for you, do you think? I do not know yet, though it does bring me a sense of fulfillment. I know, I know this is me. I've said this to you a thousand times if I've said it once, but uh, 88, you gotta, you gotta learn to advocate for yourself. Make sure that you're asking people for what you need. You weren't created to serve. You were created to live. I know. And I am working on improving. She says, you, you do it at your own pace. I just, you know me, I worry. Oh. <sighs> She says, well, you should bring your friends by. I'd like to meet them. I will. For now, I will retire to the dormitory. She nods. She says, well, you're welcome to watch me work if you want. She says, uh, still got still to gotta shape this magic Well, for a long time yet. If it would not bother you. Of course not. She says, having you around is a comfort. I'll go stand in the corner and just go to rest. All right. So she continues to uh, work into, into the evening uh, before retiring and wishing you a good evening shortly before the new day starts. All right. It is the second of calamity. It is a Queen's Day. 
uh, uh, the uh, hubbub in the, in the city has died down a little bit as people go back to their day-to-day lives. Uh, you all wake up in the silver goblet, uh, uh, having had a restful night's sleep. Um, by the time you make your way downstairs, uh, I'm guessing you, you find 88 down there as well. Um, morning, Eddie. Good morning, Brinley. I hope you rested well. Yeah. Yes, it was fine. I'm glad that the beds were not stone. Mm-hmm. It's true. Right. I'll ask for breakfast. Oh yeah, yeah. The barkeep brings it brings it by. Uh, um, Eggs and fresh baked bread and bacon and hash browns. Mm, now I'm hungry. <laughs> mm. uh, along with some breakfast ales. I, I thought of something I remembered I was going to do. Um, <laughs> was to take care of the dead body. <laughs> <laughs> something, something else I had forgotten. Are paper birds like widely available? Yeah, you can you can buy them. They're pretty common to find. Okay, I would like to buy some at some point. I need to buy some more as well. Yeah. Um, oh, we'll buy some as well. There we go. I assume I can go shop. And and those those like physically travel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it takes, it takes they while. they travel about as fast as a bird can fly. So it. Okay. Before uh, anything and, else today, we should take the body on our carriage to the guards. Yes. <laughs> Oh yes, the oh, body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the body and that creepy sword. Should we take the entire carriage or do we just want to grab the body off the top of the carriage and carry it over to you? I think the, wasn't the body acidic, so we should probably take the whole carriage. That we, oh no, has it burned a hole in the top of our carriage overnight? That's gonna be a problem. That would... The body wasn't acidic; it was just the blade, right? Um, no, there there was definitely parts of the body that were like goop covered. Essentially, where it bled. Oh, yeah. So it, its blood is this kind of poison, poisonous acid thing. Uh, so you uh, you go uh, to the stables uh, and fetch the body off the top of your carriage. Uh, fortunately. Um, uh, it has not burned through the uh, the cloaks that you've wrapped it in uh, into the carriage, though. You definitely see that the uh, the cloak is like the cloak is ruined. Uh, hmm. All right, thank you. Um. Oh. I, I make myself hungry and then dinner is delivered. That is yeah. <laughs> quite it's wonderful timing. It is wonderful timing. All right. So uh, um, you do see there are several indentations where it looks like maybe it had been poked with a stick a bunch, but you're not quite. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll carry it up to the, the guard post at the entrance. All right. Uh, you get a couple of weird looks from people as you. Carry was, body through the streets. <laughs> as you carry what is clearly a wrapped body through the streets, but uh, 
uh, you make your way up up to the uh, uh, back up to the um, ironclad terrace uh, into a to the main constable's office uh, where you dramatically come in with this body and a, uh, a dwarven receptionist looks at you and says uh, we'd like to report a murder <laughs> <laughs> says uh, oh. what's all this then um, it's body no, I, I got two eyes. I can see that, but um, we, we, we were, we, it, so we were waylaid by strange bandits, and this is one of them. We encountered these creatures on the road outside of Vadka. We thought we should bring it to your attention. He um, comes over and takes a look. Be careful touching it. Yeah. And he pulls, he gets a look at the face and he frowns and he says, uh, let me get the captain. <laughs> 88 um, goes a little bit more rigid at that. <laughs> oh. All right. So after um, after uh, a few minutes, a um, kind of late-aged uh, dwarf um, with... Uh, she has like long gray, a long gray hair and a uh, well-trimmed beard, uh, wearing plate mail armor that looks like it's seen some seen some troubles over the years. Um, though she wears it like a proud, uh, proud uh, badge of honor. Comes in and she says, "You're the travelers that found one, huh?" Found one what? She points at the body. One of those. Two, yes. Two in a tree. Technically, yeah. they found us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And then oh, she it. says you guys got you guys waylaid the tree the tree born bandits, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, they they were pretending to be Carthal guards asking for a toll to get into vodka. They appear she says, as humans. She says I've heard reports of this from on the road. They they uh, appear as guards. They. Uh, they extort money, or if, they, if people give up resistance, and the tree turns them upside down and shakes them and throws them around a bit. Well, that tree is not going to be a problem anymore. Well, congratulations. You all are 50 gold pieces richer. <laughs> Fabulous. <coughs> Do you know where they came from? She says, not a fucking clue. Uh, and that's what worries me, she says. I don't even know what that is. I didn't know that the tree-born bandits were necessarily these creatures. They're very, very acidic. What, she says, what are these creatures? Do you know? I just said I didn't. Uh. <laughs> she says, uh, she says, no, bring it, bring it in here. Uh, yeah, don't touch it, the blood, if you can help it. Uh, she says, I see, I see you got the sword there. Can I do a nature check on it to see if I think it seems like something from this plane or a different plane? Mm -hmm. 22. Um, you're not familiar with any creature like this in this plane of existence. Um, so it's possible it could come from another plane or it could just come from a really remote part of this, of this plane. I think it's either from someplace very strange or someplace very not here. Captain chews that over in her head for a second. 
So this is possible. Probable, considering we don't know what they are. Uh, she leads you back into this building and takes you into a room with a uh, metal table in it, and she has you toss the body on the table. What color is its blood? Uh, it's like a yellow-green. Yes. Uh, she says, uh, no idea what they are. She Gross. says, the bandits, she says, we thought they were just humans in a tree. Yeah, but uh, she says, uh, but we've been hearing reports of shape changers uh, and found, you know, bodies that have been seared with some sort of acid. Uh, she says, uh, she kind of points at some of the quills uh, coming out of its face. She says, uh, uh, I've heard reports that they can take those out and throw them like a dart. That is correct. Tried that. Yes, that did happen. She says, very deadly and dangerous. She says, uh, and with their shape-changing ability, I mean, they could be there could be a hundred of them in vodka and we wouldn't know. Sure. What happened to, what happened to the other one? Did the tree just fall on it and we left it there? No, no it got obliterated. Oh no, it fell out of the tree and broke its neck. You just decided you, you oh we wait, got the so, one that not yet that one right. You the one, was one blighted. That, she got blighted it, so it was oh, all just right. it was just a dried up husk of what it once was. Okay, good. So it's not dangerous corpse. As far as we know. <laughs> she says, um, yeah, we don't even have a really good name for him. We've been workshopping some ideas, but nothing that's really stuck. What is your favorite name? Uh, she says, I'm not, I'm not very creative. Uh, I call them the acidic skin changers, but, uh, that's not very, you yeah, know, not very succinct. That is not very creative. <laughs> like I said. <laughs> Maybe we should work on it. <laughs> she says, well, hopefully this will be the last we see of him for a while. She says, it's not like there's a lot of them. As far as you know. <laughs> yes, as far as I know. They want to be one. <laughs> she says so uh uh Nithis, Nithis suggests to you Gwen that you can use locate object on the sword to see if there are any more around right so I don't know if that will just show you the closest one which would be this one you have to read you read the spell and figure it out um, yeah, okay. I'd also have to do it tomorrow uh, would locate creature work? Would you have to know, like, you'd have to look like, an individual creature, though, right? Nope, it can be a type of creature. Oh, then yeah. I'm gonna locate creature. Is that something you can do at this moment? Yes, I took it earlier because I thought I wanted to locate the bunny rabbit when the guy made it disappear. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's great. All right, so um, 
Uh, you cast locate creature. Mm-hmm. Was ruptured outright. Okay. What range? It's up to a mile, right? A thousand feet. Hmm. All right, you're not detecting any acidic skin changes within a thousand feet of you. I don't find any of them within a thousand feet. So we're all probably safe. Captain Mons. Hmm. All I right. I do something that can do too, probably more when they change forms. She says, I have no idea how they work, to be honest. Neither do I. Just speculating. She says, and to be honest, I, I'm not even sure when they started to be around. She says, um, you know, this isn't something I encountered until, you know, until a month or two ago. It could just be these two. Was the invasion a month or two ago? Which invasion? The Winhavian invasion of Carthal. Oh, the blockade? Yeah. Uh, I think the blockade started when you left Carthal, so. That wasn't too long ago. Okay. The blockade's been going on for like upwards of a year, right? Well, as of the Gulf. Oh. The, the actual siege of. Uh, Krailson didn't start until you you left um, Carthal, which was the 21st of planting. So like a month, a little over a month ago. Maybe it has something to do with the the invasion drove them out of their normal hunting grounds. They were wearing Carthalian uniforms. Yeah, but they were also real dumb about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, captain shrugs. Well, anything you, we come up with now would just be a theory. But uh, I do appreciate you uh, being able to solve solve this particular problem for for uh, Vodka. She says, "By the way, I uh, don't recognize you all. Are you all new here?" Strive last night. Not all of us. She raises an eyebrow. Well, I mean, we are new. He's been here before. Oh, uh, don't think we've had the pleasure of meeting. My name is 88. I spend quite a bit of time in the House of the Crafter. Ah, I don't get down there much. That's probably why we haven't met before. But, uh, you know, she says not a lot of not a lot of constable issues down there in the, the Crafter Hall. She says, uh, well, I'm Captain Barity. B-E-R-D-I. If you do encounter any more of the acidic skin changers, uh, please let me know. And uh, you have a job board or something? If there's any other trouble in the neighborhood we can help with? uh, She says, we're we're able to, you know, we got a pretty good sized force here. Not a lot of crime here in Vodka. So we, you know, you, you you just took care of the one job on the job board. So, okay. <laughs> uh, and she gives you all a, a total of 50 gold pieces. So it's 12 and a half a piece. I have 20 gold pieces now. <laughs> You're swimming in gold? Yeah. 
All right. Shall we buy paper birds on the way back to the inn? Mm -hmm. uh, you can buy five for a hundred. They come in packs of five for a hundred gold pieces. For a hundred what pieces? The twenty gold pieces a piece, essentially. Okay. okay. I could buy one, but I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Easy come, easy go. All right. Well, pause here though uh, for a bow break. So, oh, nice right. party break. Back yes. at the top of the hour. Uh, All right. Well, uh, thanks for report bringing this in. Thanks for killing those bandits. Uh, if anything else comes up, uh, I'll I'll be here. I'm your I'm your uh, prime source for reporting crime. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Captain. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. So, as we leave, um, <clears throat> I'll take everyone by the House of the Crafter so you all can see this you know, huge, impressive uh, Inca temple. Wow, um, that's huge and impressive. Um, there's yeah, colorful smoke coming out of the top of it. Forgemaster Polvanta requested to meet you all. However, she will be sleeping now, perhaps later this evening if you are all available. Absolutely. Love to meet you. Actually, actually, uh, she um, she's actually probably awake. She's one of those strange people that only gets like one or two hours of sleep a day. Oh my god! How? Oh. I take that back. She should be awake if you would all like to meet her. I've met a few people like that. They're all interesting people. I, I'm not <laughs> saying that the lack of sleep affects their personalities, but I'm also not not saying that it doesn't. Yeah, my dad was like a four-hour-a-night person until he got into like his mid-50s. I couldn't live. No. Yeah. I need like 10 hours. I had to do it when I was working in retail. Minimum. Now that I don't... <laughs> I like Paul's little contribution. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me like it's not true. No, you still need to pipe in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Paul can't hear me, but I mean, he does know that we know you, right? <laughs> we know. Chris, Chris goes, oh, Paul does know that we know you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but every trip we take, I'm the one that everyone has to wait for. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, but yeah, so you come in, uh, you find... Um, you see uh, the forge. Uh, you know, you pass by the shrine, uh, which has this beautiful, you know, beautiful, beautifully constructed holy symbol, the Inca above it. Uh, you get to the forge where you see this huge forge, the largest forge you, any of you, uh, aside from eighty-eight, have seen. Um, and there's currently six different people working on it, um, on different segments of it, all, uh, uh, you know, working on their own projects and. Uh, and, and magic items. Uh, you see a couple of, uh, two of them are dwarves. Uh, one of them is a warforged. You see two goliaths and a gnome all working at the forge. Uh, and sitting- uh, Is this sitting, like inherently magical kind of creation? Yes, yeah, these, are, these, are, these forges are just for magic item creation. creation. And I'm, I'm just imagining that we don't have anything like this at, at home, so I'm Gawping pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you've seen you've, I think you've seen a few other like magical magical forges maybe in your journeys. I, I forget, maybe one or two, but they've all been smaller, more personal ones. This is the first one you've ever seen. It's just been like a big, huge community one. 
uh, and sitting um, back, uh, like working uh, at a desk that's kind of overlooking it uh, with a ledger that she's working in, you see um, uh, Polvanta uh, sitting there. Uh, she looks up and says, oh, <clears throat> oh, uh, a very prompt 88. Uh, she stands up and kind of smooths her clothing out uh, and walks over to you all. Um, she's a late middle-aged dwarf, um, uh, you know, maybe four feet tall, uh, three foot 11 thereabouts. Um, and uh, the first thing you notice about her is uh, she's wearing a very plain outfit. She's got a prominent holy symbol of Inca. Uh, her sleeves are short uh, and she's got fucking guns in those sleeves. Guns? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> she is, uh, her arms are just ripped from, you know, century, ce centuries of, of, of smithing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and she comes up and she uh, looks at the three of you uh, and says, ah, she says, my name is, my name is Forge Keeper Polvanta Silverstream. She says, I'm the archdeacon of the Incan temple here, uh, or as we call it, the house of the crafter. She says, uh, I, um, known 88 for some time uh, and I'm glad to see him uh, here with friends. Uh, she extends a meaty hand to each of you. I shake her hand. I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, she's got a, a firm grip. Uh, her hands, you'd almost swear that she was wearing gloves. They are so thick and calloused. And she says, uh, she says, why don't we have a seat? We can get to know each other as we watch the uh, acolytes work. Okay. So she leads you over to uh, another like um, table. Uh, it's got some like uh, magical like blueprints laid out on it. She rolls them up and sets them to the side and uh, gestures to some chairs and says, um, uh, "Any of you all drink tea or coffee or?" Breakfast ale. Ale. I will have one too. Sure. Breakfast Join in. She uh, says, have a seat. I'll be right back with that. Uh, she heads off and a few minutes later comes back with uh, three tankards uh, and uh, in one hand and then a, a, a large steaming mug in the other with uh, what's clearly coffee inside of it. She sits the tankards down in front of you and Thank says, you. Uh, and takes a sip of her of her coffee and says, "Ah, there we go." She says, "Morning doesn't really start till you start on your third cup." <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> she says, uh, "So, eighty-eight mentioned last night that uh, you all have become quite the adventuring companions." Definitely exactly. Yeah. It's been, been very, very helpful and friendly to have her out. She nods. She says, uh, she says, and he's told me of many of your adventures and journeys together. She says, um, glad to see that you're all uh, here. Um, Brindley, so sorry to hear about your recent troubles. Oh, the dying? Yes, that is what I was referring to. <laughs> to be fair, she did get better. Thank you. 
she says, um, she says, uh, so you're all living in Pericles now, yes? Yeah, kind of middle of nowhere, Pericles. Yeah. That's true. Traveling to where we want to go is sometimes difficult. Yeah, getting down here was pain in the ass. <laughs> Great place. Just when singing traveling songs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's, one day. <laughs> she says, I've been known to sing a dwarven marching song or two in my day, but uh, those days are quickly fading behind me. <laughs> Have you been an adventurer? She says, uh, it was not my path. She says, uh, I wanted to create. I, I, I never really wanted to go out there and conquer evil or slay or anything like that. Uh, and if I'm being 100% honest, I, I wanted to live to a ripe old age, so. <laughs> you know, people keep on mentioning that. Yeah. They do. The world really wants us to stop. <laughs> That's like the, what, the, the third or fourth person who's mentioned how quickly adventurers die? Uh, she says it's a I mean it's if, if people are mentioning it it's only because it's true. <laughs> she says it's a dangerous world and uh while there's much you know wealth and fame to be gained out there that's you know the fate is cruel and quick. No, I have to agree. <laughs> she says though maybe more people will take it up now that the uh the risks aren't so permanent. Mm, yeah. Just have to have friends that can uh, can bring you back. Is that what it is? It's the the worldwide perspective of adventuring is just permanent death because resurrection hasn't been available. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, also the world is also way more dangerous than it was seven hundred years ago. <laughs> okay. It's both those things. Cool. I mean, even with resurrection, it's still very risky because what if your resurrector dies first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I figure adventuring's better than. Well, I don't know. Adventuring's what I decided to do, so here we are doing it. Just everybody has their own path that they walk, and only they can walk that path. Dying is unfortunate, though. Yeah. She says, uh, she says, if you try to if you try to conform your life to other people's expectations, you'll very quickly find yourself old and bitter, not having done anything that you wanted to do for yourself. All right, now I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm attacking myself. I mean, if it happens to if it happens to have splash damage, that's not on me. <laughs> <laughs> She says it takes work actually. You gotta <clears throat> you gotta really you gotta try different things. You've gotta you gotta figure out what calls to you. It's like art, she says. A good sculptor can look at a piece of stone, look at how it's look at its layers and striations, and see what they want to turn it into out of that stone. The stone already exists in an infinite number of possibilities. It's just the artist's 
job to bring that shape out. And once it is in that shape, then it was as if it was meant to be. We're like that. We are blocks of, of stone, un, uncarved, just full of potential, full of layers and striations that would lend itself better to one thing or another. So in order to find out what you want to need to do want to do with your life, you have to become the artist of your own life. You have to you have to sculpt it yourself. Huh. All right. <laughs> that is why I left vodka, seeking adventure. She nods. It seemed the best way to find my own place. No, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Hmm. At least we know we're really good at killing bandits. So and the world's the world's likely better for it. <laughs> it's a minor skill. She <clears throat> says, though. She says there is there is something to be said for mercy too, though. She says, for I doubt there are very many bandits that truly wanted to be in that life. Yeah, but there's a difference between mercy on someone who is actually going to take it. And mercy on a man is going to shove a sword in your back just as soon as you turn away. So, you know. She says, well, if you give no one mercy, then no one will have, you'll never have the opportunity to find out who, which one's which. I think we've only, have we actually only killed the hill giant and the, and the strange acidic guys? No, you've and killed there were also some bandits that we killed on the way to Carthol. The ones, uh, uh, was his name? Um, the very first guy. Oh, Dwight Muscles. Oh, Dwight Muscles. <laughs> yes, killed yes, a bunch Dwight of his Muscles. people. That's right. Um, <laughs> Mary. The demon doll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, all the creepy crawlies that were in Nithis's house. Yeah, I think I think you make a choice, and those consequences of that choice aren't what you like. Well, <laughs> made a different choice. Yeah, she says, it's, 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 she says it's it's all, all she says it's all well and good until it's your choices that have made someone else decide to end your life. And it happens. <laughs> I mean, more than most, I know it. It happens. <laughs> so. You just have to be willing to face those consequences. Who knows? A couple weeks ago, I could have very easily been hanging from a rope. Didn't turn out that way, but I was going to accept the consequences either way. So. Well, you would—I don't think you've been hanging from a rope. You would have been uh, pounding at rocks with a hammer until you couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's no capital punishment. I decided against it. Oh, okay. Well, the the metaphor is still out. It is still out. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just want to. Just want to. I, I I know what you meant. I just wanted to make sure that you. You know, the just wanted to make sure the reality of the situation is reflected right. Um, she says, "Look, anyway, you didn't come here for a lecture." She says, "You came here to get embarrassing stories about '88 from the person who <laughs> helped him recover." Oh yes, please. Are there embarrassing stories about 88? 
She says, no, that's actually sadly, I was, I was going to be the sad news I had to deliver to you. 88 is very much 88. Different problems, Caitlin? Food. Rumor says it's snowing. Don't understand. Right. Are they trying to charge you more for your food delivery because of it? Or? Um, yeah, they try to guilt you based on the weather to tip more. Oh. It's raining. Make sure you give them a good tip. It's actually really heavy-handed considering, you know, Uber. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. Uh, so anyway, she says, no, he's, he's 88 is 88. Uh, uh, but she says, um, I just wanted to get a face to the names and, you know, and see what you all were like. Uh, see who's, who's out there wandering the world with him. Do we know what her relation to 88 is? Because I can't remember. Yeah, I explained uh, it. She's, uh. Um, <laughs> surprise she's cat. The, surprise <laughs> cat. Oh, no. Uh, she's the one who sort of took 88 in and trained him in his uh, clerical religious vocation. Okay, cool, cool. Thank you. Sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah, no worries. I may not have explained that very well. I apologize. If it was if it was before yesterday then yeah i was gonna say it's probably just my brain <laughs> sorry all right so uh she says well uh she says any questions for me or no i don't think so nice to meet you though yeah it is a pleasure she says she says, "Just remember, uh, you know, if you ever if you ever need advice or uh, you know want to want to watch people make beautiful items, you can always come down here to the house of the crafter." Cool. I will likely take you up on that. This is a fascinating place. You know. All right. Well. Uh, do, do come back sometime, 88. I'm sure I'll see you uh, again before you leave. But uh, just in case you leave before, you know, sooner than later, just make sure you stop by again. I will. We exit. <laughs> exit stage outside. Um, so um, it, it is still pretty early in the morning. Um, what would you all like to do with your day? Uh, we stop by the market and buy some paper birds. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. You get your paper birds. You get anything. Uh, 88 is going to buy five of them and give two of them to Brinley. Thank you, 88. You are welcome. Can I roll again for uh, people like me? Sure. Perception? Yep. Again, you're just beginning to suspect that there's no Kalistar in uh in vodka. <laughs> the thing that I'm going to be doing from here on out, but the fact that I rolled two fives, several like what an hour apart, that's yes. <laughs> so, is there a reason? It's just kind of a question for the group. Do you think I should try to get supplies for Revivify? I don't see 
actually getting the spell for a while though yet. Um, I have Revivify. I do not have money to get things for it yet. Probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely have. Why can't you get Revivify for a while though? Well, I can, but it it would burn a, a spell slot. He okay. learns his spells. He doesn't change them every day like I do. Oh. No, I, I change them every day, but oh. it's not one of. I mean, it, it would just it would take a slot to have it. Yeah. Well, I think we should definitely have the supplies, one way or the other. Somebody needs to be. Able diamonds to worth three hundred gold, which the spell consumes. Okay. Yeah, I, I bought the last time and I am actually tapped out on money. <laughs> I was uh, robbed and murdered. Yeah. You're right. That's, that's why I bought, spent all that money. <laughs> uh, so if we find a jeweler, we will pick up diamonds worth 300 gold. Yeah. Um, Just one? Is that what we're doing? Uh, so you head down to the Gemstone Terrace, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, home of the Jewelers Guild. Uh, and you head into one of the many, uh, several, I guess not many, because it's not too large of a town, but one of the several jewelry shops down there. Um, uh, and uh, as you um, come in, uh, idiot, you see somebody else that you recognize. I imagined I might. I probably <laughs> steered us in this particular direction. Yes. Uh, there behind um, the counter, you see uh, Anil. Um, uh, a fellow Warforged who's a member of the Jewelers Guild. Oh. I'll walk up and nod. Hello, Neil. It is good to see you. Oh, hello. It is good to see you as well. Are these friends of yours? Yes. This is Nithis, Brinley, and Gwyn. They are my companions in adventuring. Oh, well. Um, hello. Hello. My name is Anil. I am a friend to 88 and a member of the Jewelers Guild here in Vodka. Can you spell the name? A-N-N-E-A-L. Did you mean it as, as a metalworking name? Yep. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Anil is an incredibly talented and master silversmith. You know. Uh, he, he gestures um, proudly towards some very um, uh, finely crafted uh, silver chains um, that have a kind of intricate uh, Celtic style knot uh, system through very thin, uh, very with very thin silver threads. I like these. It's too bad I was murdered and robbed. Murdered and robbed. That is, but you are still alive. I do not understand. You would think. BRB. Oh, cat. Jesus. <laughs> it would appear that magical resurrection is once again possible. Only now, is it? As far as we are aware. Well, for a month or so, right? At least. Out of game, it's been two years, but y'all don't know that. Don't know that. Yeah. He says, I find this news distressing. May I ask why? He says, Many of my friends have died, he says, in the War of Ten Generations and during the invasion in Hephaestus. I lost many that I would consider close to me. But this 
bringing them back was not an option, and now it is. Is it too late? Or have they, have they been lost forever? I find myself spiraling with anxiety. Forgive me. I... I'm sorry. I did not mean to upset you. No, it is good to know. I just... It seems cosmically unfair, that is all. And I recognize the inherent unfairness of the world, however. It is little comfort. But that is for me to consider. I do apologize uh, for, for burdening you with this train of thought. Brinley, I'm happy that you are no longer among the dead. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, he pauses for a second and he picks up the silver chain necklace and he actually hands it to you, Brindley. He says, this is, you may have this. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It makes me feel slightly better about that. Uh, so if, yeah, if you want to add that to your inventory, find silver chain necklace made by Anil. Um, he says, um, he says, uh, may your fortunes going forward be better. I certainly hope so. <laughs> he says, but I suspect, um, 88, that you did not come in here for a social visit, though it is good to see you. Uh, I'm assuming otherwise you would have visited me at my homestead. So I'm assuming you're here for business. Yes, we are looking to purchase 300 gold worth of diamonds. That is a lot of diamonds. Now that resurrection is once again possible, we need them as a component for a resurrection spell. Oh, I see. On the off chance that we once, one of us once again dies. And diamonds will bring the dead back to life? And they magic. Are components. They are components in this resurrection spell. As long as that person has died within the last minute, we can bring them back. He says, um, he says, I can, of course, get you the diamonds. Um, though I'm curious, what is um, only a minute, he says, um, is that the most powerful of resurrection magics? It, we are aware that there must exist more powerful magics, though we do not have access to them. There is at least one person who was dead for significantly longer who was resurrected that we are aware of. I was also dead for longer than a minute. At least a number of months. I do not know how long the limitation is. Did Brindley's resurrection require diamonds as well? Yes. More than this spell does. Because if Nethesis from Pining has been any indication. <laughs> <laughs> he says, so more diamonds increases the amount of time that one can bring somebody back from. And more magical skill. And time as well. Time spent casting. And it no does seem the longer that. that one is dead, the more intense and costly the process. That follows. Uh, he, um, he says, I will get your diamonds now. Thank you. Uh, he goes over to... Uh, 
He, he, he says, um, I store them in the back room. I will be right back. So he, he heads to the back room and is gone for a few minutes. Uh, Y'all, there, there's um, various, um, various um, pieces of jewelry that are on display throughout the room. Uh, brooches and necklaces and some uh, non-magical rings uh, on display. Um, but you get the idea where his handiwork <coughs> uh, and after a few minutes he, he comes back in with a um, a small velvet sack with a uh, tied strings on it and he says um, and who is purchasing these diamonds I'll put 30 platinum pieces on the counter I'll, I'll give um, 88 150 gold too Thank you, Gwen. He uh, hands you the uh, velveteen sack. Nice. Oops. I should take that. I will give it to Brinley. Because you you have the ability to kind of redeploy spells at will, right? After a long rest. I mean, Brinley does. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because that's easier than... Yeah, I can prepare it any morning, and if we're going to know we're going to be, like, fighting something, I can definitely have it prepared. Well, if there is anything else, um, let me know. Um, Otherwise, um, 88, uh, I'm glad you are doing well. There is a more personal matter I would like to speak with you about. Would you prefer I wait until your business is closed for the day? This is... Uh, he says, it has been a slow day. I, he says, um, which is off the case after a holiday. Uh, he says, um, now is fine if you wish to speak to me. Would you like us to watch your shop for you while you talk somewhere privately? He says, or 88 and I could talk in the shop and you could go somewhere more public. That's true as well. I'm just trying to figure out what I like to do. <laughs> and I was thinking maybe watching the shop is something I enjoy. He says, um, you all seem like nice people, but it is better if I watch the shop. Of course. <laughs> you would please we... wait outside. I will wait be just outside. a moment. Okay. Trundle. Actually, oh, they, they all leave. Yeah. Uh, once the door shuts, he says, what is it you wish to speak uh, to me about, 88? It regards the Warforge that was removed from Vadka shortly, uh, a short time ago. He says, yes, one... X-17. Uh, X-17's, uh, shit, what's the word I'm looking for? Emissary. Mouthpe- emissary, thank you. Mm. He says, yes, C-21, I spoke with him. What do you think of their movement? He thinks about it for a, a period. Um, he's one of the older uh, Warforged, you know. Um, he says, uh, I do not agree with the methods of, of Xander. Um, but I cannot say that I disagree with the aims. He says, um, 
the idea of a warforged nation, a place of our own, does sound appealing. I had the opportunity to speak with Xander face to face while in, was it in Carthalia? Uh, yeah, in Carthal, yeah. Carthal? Yeah. Well, in Carthal. So he he says, expressed. Uh, oh, good. He says, um, I imagine he must have been quite charismatic to have amassed such a following. He seems so. His. His arguments seemed largely centered around the, what he believed was the abuse or misuse of our people to fight the battles of others. You are the only Warforged I know that has actual experience as a mercenary in warfare. He says- I don't um, know if you are sympathetic to this fact. He says, um, you are quite perceptive, 88. He says, During the battle, during the battles of the War of Ten Generations, our people were seen as less than many of our human compatriots. We were frequently, we were frequently sent in alone ahead of humans and other organics. He says, um, I did not hear anything directly from the human officers I served with, but the impression that I got is, I, is, is that they assumed that since we were created, we were expendable. He says, um, and after leaving Carthalia and going to Hephaestus, Hedephesis, yeah, thank you. Uh, he says, um, my experience is not much different. He says, though it is possible that perhaps that is how they treat all mercenaries that are not of the, that are not uh, conscripted into the armies of the nations. However, I do not recall them sending non-warforged mercenaries in ahead of us. That said, do I think that this callous behavior towards us from, from the humans means that we should fight in an armed rebellion against them? No, that is, violence should never beget violence, lest you enter a cycle of unending violence. He says, learning that lesson was hard, but it is why I am here now crafting jewelry rather than in yet another war. I am continuously reminded that I lack the perspective and the experience of those around me. Thank you for sharing yours. He says, um, he says, that reminds me of something Paul Vanta told me once. He says, um, he says, the only experience you can be sure of is your own. 
Wise words. He says, in order to understand another's, you you have to actively investigate it and interrogate it. He says, um, if you are worried about me leaving to join up with X-17, you need not be concerned. I have no desire to join another war. This is good to know. He says, though there are several of our kind who are no longer here, I can only assume they have gone. I have heard this as well. He says, um, not all of them are combat units. He says, I know of at least one construction unit and one protection unit that also left. That is to be expected. He says, mm-hmm. he says, though, I'm curious as to why, as they have not had the first-hand experience of war that I have had. Perhaps they were simply searching for a cause to fight for. Perhaps. Or perhaps something else in the appeal that, did he say C-12? C-21. C-21 made, spoke to them. Perhaps. There's unfortunately only, only one way to find out and that way is somewhere between here and Carthel by now. Oh. Thank you for your honesty and your insight. He nods. Thank you for visiting. I hope to see you again soon, my friend. He nods. He says, as you go to leave, he says, have you, have you um, visited Smelt, Castor, and Keen yet? I saw Keen last night. I plan to visit the three of them probably later today. Yes. They will be happy to see you. Maybe it will leave. Yeah. Thank you for waiting. Did you have a good chat? No problem. It was informative. Good. All right. Where to next? Would you like to see the stone garden? Sure. It is on this terrace. Please follow me. I will lead you all to this large, uh, almost kind of like an outdoor gallery of sculptures uh, that are made from all different sorts of materials and range and styles from very lifelike um, sculptures to more abstract designs. And it's all uh, laid out in this large park that people can go through and appreciate. Um, I was thinking I imagined a lot of office workers eating their lunch there. And then I'm like, wait a minute, what is a D&D <laughs> office worker? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was literally going to suggest that you guys probably had lunch there. So <laughs> I was literally about to come out of my mouth before you talked. So. <laughs> Sounds like a very nice place to have lunch. At. <laughs> so. Um, as you guys actually walk there you do pass this very large um, filigree building uh, that 88 points out is the filigree hall 
uh, is where the Jewelers Guild is based out of. A lot of the jewelers in the city uh, live there. So like the jewelers are coming um, from there for lunch? Yes. Okay, so now we have some idea. <laughs> there you go. What's your favorite part of the garden? Um, it will lead you over to uh, one sculpture he's particularly fond of. It's not particularly big, um, and it actually sits on a, uh, a raised uh, stone platform a couple feet off the ground, and then it's about four feet tall, what looks to be a uh, sculpture made out of various types of, and colors of gemstone that have fused and seem to be growing into and through each other. Ooh. Interesting. Can you touch it? Can you touch things here? Is this a it touch is, museum? It is preferred that you do not. All right. I will not touch it, but. All right, so. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> Do you touch Do you it see with a that sign, Brindley? <laughs> yes. In Dwarven, it says, leave only footprints, take only memories. <laughs> I know. I can read Dwarven. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just didn't feel like it. time of day is it now it's like it's just after lunchtime so uh, is there anything else you all would like to do as we wander i'm going to try to buy a i guess i i never did but a disguise kit i was thinking about that a disguise kit because i have the proficiency but i don't see it in my equipment so if you have a proficiency, don't you come with the kit? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably what happened is I had the proficiency. I never. So I imagine that's just stuff you buy. Yeah, it's, a, it's just something you can get from the upper market. So if you all. Okay. So I will go buy that as we wander around. I look at stuff, but I don't buy anything because I have 20 gold. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Ditto. Anything you guys want to do, if you want Idiot to give you a, a larger tour of the city, he can do that. Or if there's something in particular you want to look at or do, he's happy to oblige. I mean, if I could go on a tour of the city if he was going to do that, but I also don't want to get in the way of him visiting his friends while he's here because <laughs> who knows how long it'll take you to get back again. That's fair. Um, there is one other group of individuals that I would like to see tonight. However, they should be working at the moment and will be available after the working bell. Understandable. <clears throat> should we just keep looking around and... Whatever you would like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. So 88 takes you on a tour of the various terraces that you have access to. So uh, you start off here on the gold terrace with its, um, which is, you know, so there's the ironclad, which is the first one you came into uh, with the house of the crafter and the uh, upper guard barracks. Uh, there's the gold terrace, which is the one where you're in zap. Uh, then below that's the gemstone terrace. That's where you guys were just at with the stone sculpture garden and the jewelers. Uh, and then below that, he takes you down to the hearth terrace, which is home to all the um, homes. There's also a market down here. Um, you also see the burrows, which is where most of the gnomes live. Uh, their homes are literally just carved into the walls instead of having separate houses. Uh, uh, below that uh, is um, a terrace that you guys are not allowed on to. It's the Mithril Terrace, uh, home of the manor houses and whatnot. Where all the wealthy people live. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, below that uh, is the um, Ancestors Terrace, uh, where you see, um, which is essentially the city's uh, uh, graveyard. Um and then yet below that, uh, the seventh tier of the city is the Diamond Terrace, uh, which is basically just the warehouse district. It's got warehouses and vaults and, and things like that. Uh, and then below that are the mines, but um, I don't think any of it would take, would take you down in there. So nope. Do um, in this universe, do gnomes and kobolds have animosity toward each other? No. Not by not by default. Okay. Where did you yeah. used to live, idiot? I during the time I stayed here, I lived in the house of the crafter. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for the tour. Of course. It's just like, you know, he wouldn't need a room because he doesn't need a bed. I was like, do you want to go back to the inn to freshen up before you visit your friends? But he doesn't need to freshen up. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so you guys managed to take up the rest of the day with a tour of the city. Um, and then for then having the climb all the way back up to, to your hotel. I imagine as we're going through the hearth district and past the boroughs, there's a lot of really hungover gnomes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just lettering the streets. Uh, you see, you see the you, you you just pass by the occasional pile of like cogs or contraption bits that have just fallen apart as they're on their trucks. Sweet, sweet street sweepers are just cleaning up gears and springs yeah, and things. Exactly. <laughs> Couple of scorch marks, stray scorch marks from. Inventions mm -hmm. done awry. Exactly. Yeah, so this is definitely a city, a hungover city today. Uh, you guys make your way back up, though, to the uh, ironclad terrace, or though, sorry, the gold terrace where your, where your hotel is. Um, and even you, seasoned adventurers who spend all day, every day walking, are just a little, a little out of breath by the time you get back up there. Our fantasy quads are burning. Yeah. Well, it's all uphill going back up. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you do notice there are, um, uh, I guess I'd like to have to do too. There's also, um, there's uh, essentially 
carriage services that will take you up at the bottom. There's definitely a lot of like little carriages down there that, you know, people hawking, offering to take you up top if you need to, if you want to save yourself the walk. Is there a cool view? Is it like a, oh, what are those things called in Italy? That like, there's there's like walking machines that climb up the mountain and you get a view over the whole. No, unfortunately not. Everything's pretty, with it being underground the way it is, it's each terrace doesn't, there's no, there's no place to like view all the terraces at once even. And they're all pretty, uh, pretty separate. Um, uh, but you head back up, passing through the various lights, uh, different lights as you go back up. Uh, and get back up to your hotel uh, where 88 will get ready for his conversation, but we will pick up our next session with that conversation because it is now 8 o'clock. So. It finally got dark. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> and it's time for bed.